Welcome everyone to this uh, webinar, which is part of a series of webinars on infection control uh, brought to you by RCVS Knowledge. Today we're very lucky to have Sarade Wild um, to talk to us about disinfectant types, a very important part of infection control. This webinar is part of a series of webinars. Um, RCVS Knowledge is, has brought this to you and RCVS Knowledge is, put, is a separate organisation to RCVS and RCBS Knowledge's mission is to advance the quality of veterinary care for the benefit of, of, of our patients and for ourselves and the public and society. And that RCBS Knowledge do this by championing evidence-based medicine and also by inspiring a culture of continuous quality improvement in practice. And do have a look on RCBS Knowledge website because there are some brilliant quality improvement resources that you can use in practice on all sorts of topics like clinical audit and and guidelines, etc. So please do have a look on there. This webinar, as I say, is part of a series. Um, the first one was about infection control and biosecurity during COVID-19. It was from Alan Radford talking about the, the virus itself and from Tim Luttall talking about um, biosecurity and infection control. Second webinar was again from Tim Luttall talking about organisms of concern and how they're transmitted, which is very important to know how an organism is transmitted, then we know what to do about infection control. The third part from Liz Branscombe was a very practical webinar on how to have infection control policies and procedures in, in practice um, and having infection control groups or people um, appointed to look after infection control in the practice. And today's webinar is the fourth in the series. And this today's, as I said before, is about disinfectant types. And we're very lucky to have Sarade. She is a RVN. She worked in practice and then moved into education and is course director at University College West Anglia um, in Cambridge. Sarade is also um, in the middle of doing her dissertation year of her master's um, in clinical animal behaviour. Sarade is also part of our RCBS Knowledge Infection Control Working Party. So welcome Sarade and over to you. Thank you very much Pam. Uh, hello everybody. Um, today uh, I'll just have a quick overview of what the session is going to cover. Um, if we can have the, thank you. Um, what we're going to look at is disinfectant terminology just to start off with. So what do the suffixes and such like mean on, uh, when we're describing disinfectants? Um, having a look at the action, how do disinfectants work? Then we'll look at the active ingredients. So we'll look at examples of disinfectants within a range of genres. And then finally, we'll think about appropriate selection of disinfectants for the tasks that we have in hand. So let's start by looking at the terminology. Um, we've got three main areas of uh, disinfectant um, or cleanliness control, we should say. We've got cleaning and disinfection and sterilization. Cleaning is a process that physically removes contaminants using a detergent. Um, contaminants might include such things as dust or soil or large volumes of microorganisms um, and organic material such as feces or blood, for example, uh, which protects them. So cleaning must always precede disinfection and sterilization. Disinfection is the process used to reduce the number of microorganisms on a surface to a safe level, but this doesn't usually reduce bacterial spores. Um, High-level disinfectants will kill some, but not all. 
The process also doesn't necessarily kill or remove all microorganisms, but it reduces them to a level where they don't cause a uh, pose a threat to health. So terminology-wise, disinfection on the skin and living tissues is, is, is anti-sepsis. And then we have the process of sterilization. And sterilization refers to any process that eliminates, removes, kills, deactivates all forms of life, including spores, uh, and other, other biological agents like prions present on the specific surface or in fluid or on an object. And the NHS actually note that standard sterilization procedures might not eliminate prions, such as um, the CJD. The active ingredients or the chemical agents in disinfectant preparations are known as the biocides. And these are generally board spectrum agents, which means that they're effective against a large range of organisms rather than homing in on a particular microbe. Um, biocides kill microorganisms by deactivation of its active property. So that could be by hydrolysis or oxidation or denaturation. And we'll talk about these a little bit more, a bit further in. And biocides aren't just the things that we have under the sink. Um, they're also pesticides, so insecticides, herbicides, fungicides, slimy sides. Um, antipowder weed killer and insect repelling wristbands, um, antimicrobials, so antibacterial, antivirus, antifungal, random example of where we might find antibacterial products um, includes, if we can just have the next slide, antibacterial socks for smelly feet. And there's a lovely anecdote which I found at the end of 2018 of a chap in China who went to his doctor because he had chest pains and he was coughing and he went to just um, have a few uh, diagnostic tests done. So his doctor carried out a series of tests and on the man and discovered that his lungs were contaminated with bacteria such as um, Klebsiella pneumonia and E. coli, um, which is normally found in used footwear. And then during subsequent conversations with the doctor, the patient confessed that he actually took deep sniffs of his socks every evening before he threw them into his laundry basket. Um, interesting, but slightly I digress. The terminology wise, the, the suffix on disinfectant products tell us what the active agent does. The suffix side refers to agents which target and kill particular organisms. Agents which deliver uh, an inhibitory effect, on the other hand, are called statics. So to put that into context, a disinfectant might be sporostatic, but not necessarily sporicidal. Disinfectants work through three primary actions, hydrolysis, oxidation, or denaturation. Um, each of these has a common sequence of events involving interaction of the disinfectant with the microbe's surface followed by um, penetrating into the microbe and then action at the target site. Hydrolysis refers to um, a reaction with water, hydro meaning water and lysis meaning literally to unbind. So in simple terms, a molecule of water is introduced to um, and involves deactivating the microbe by physically breaking down the chemical compound into two or sometimes more simpler compounds, which then don't pose a threat to health. Oxidation is a process uh, of loss of electrons during reaction by a molecule or an atom or an ion. Oxidizing agents act by uh, oxidizing or stealing electrons from the, the cell membrane of the microbe, which results in a loss of structure 
and leads to cell lysis and then subsequently to death. Lots of disinfectants actually operate in this manner and Vercon actually is one that springs to mind. Denaturation is the disruption and the possible destruction of secondary and tertiary structures of uh, a microbe's proteins. Uh, these infectants, things like uh, disinfectants, I should say, such as alcohol, work by really rapidly denaturing uh, microbe proteins, which then inhibits metabolism um, and also by dis dis disrupting microbe membranes, which leads to cell lysis. Um, as I mentioned previously, the purpose of disinfectants is to reduce the number of viable microbes present on apparatus to a level where they don't pose a threat to health. And this level of reduction is known as the kill count. So uh, you can see here described 99.99% effectivity um, it presents as a four log reduction in um, load. 99.999 is described as five logs, so it's stronger. So if a surface, for instance, has 100,000 pathogens on it, um, or microbes on it, a five log reduction, so the reduction of the bioload by 100,000 times will reduce that 100,000 number of uh, microbes down to one. Disinfectant products are available in several strengths of action and deliver different levels of contamination. For any disinfectant to work effectively, it must be clear of any gross contamination. So any, any uh, object or apparatus needs to be thoroughly cleaned using a soap or a detergent. Um, both of these are known as surfactants. Some disinfectants already contain surfactants, Burkon is one of them, um, and these lower the bioburden on the surface. The heavier the bioburden, the greater the contact time you need to eradicate it. But what is a surfactant? The name derives from a longer description of surface active agent. I accept that the E is a little bit dubious uh, in all of that for your eagle-eyed among you. The surfactant lowers the surface tension of the liquid in which it's dissolved. So surfactants comprise amphiphilic molecules, uh, amphi meaning both sides, philic meaning love, which means that they interact really nicely with the air-fluid interface. So, it's partly hydrophobic and partly hydrophilic. And surfactants facilitate consistent dampening of the surface. And this prevents beading of the, the fluid material and so it optimizes the cleaning process. At the air fluid boundary, the molecules line themselves up. So the hydrophobic end is in the air and the hydrophilic end is in the water. Uh, and this creates a drop in the surface tension. Surfactants are normally classified by their polar heads. So if these have no charge, the surfactant is non-ionic um, and if it has a, a positive or negative charge it is anionic or cationic positive for instance um, cautionary ammonium compounds. If it contains positive and negative groups it's known as twitter ionic. Disinfectants aren't very good at penetrating grime and this is why detergents are necessary. Using detergents means that the disinfectant and remaining target microbes achieve closer contact and optimize the disinfection of that surface. Detergents, detergent use will also um, minimize deactivation of the disinfectant if it's affected by organic matter. So when we're selecting disinfectant, we need to take several factors into consideration. 
Now, I'm not going to read through this line by line. You're very welcome to pause the presentation and read at your own pace, uh, although many, if not all, of these considerations may already be very familiar to you. The active agent in disinfectants are grouped into several levels of action, low, intermediate and high. And so let's look at the low level first of all. Phenolics, so Dettol, Jace Fluid, Mouthwash, Medicated Lip Balm, are all carbolic acid derivatives. Carbolic acid actually is one of the oldest disinfectants. Joseph Lister used it in uh, the 19th century to disinfect um, air and hands and dressings and such like. Uh, and then inspired by Mr Lister, an American chemist called Joseph Lawrence developed Listerine, uh, which is an alcohol-based uh, oral antiseptic mix of several related compounds, which um, you may be quite familiar with today. Carbolic acid isn't used as a surgical disinfectant because it's irritating to skin, but the chemicals in antiseptic mouthwashes and throat lozenges are phenolics. And phenolics are effective against bacteria, particularly gram-positive bacteria, uh, fungi and envelope viruses, but not non-envelope viruses and not spores. They inhibit microbial growth by denaturing proteins and disrupting membranes. Phenolics do remain viable where organic material is present, so we're looking at blood, urine, saliva and such like. They're considered generally safe, but they can cause damage to delicate apparatus and so they're not recommended for semi-critical items. Um, any residue left on porous materials might also irritate tissues, so, and that's even after rinsing, um, so phenolics aren't recommended for use with synthetics and rubber. They do need to be used promptly because diluting them reduces their stability. Um, their action is to denature proteins causing lysis of the cell membranes. Phenolics are highly toxic to cats and reptiles and actually some of the uh, perhaps lesser known um, um, substances include clove and tea tree oils. Quaternary ammonia compounds are probably the most useful disinfectant for a variety of clinical purposes. As well as possessing antimicrobial properties, they're excellent for hard surface cleaning and deodorizing. They're broad spectrum and they have a low toxicity unless they're ingested when they're highly toxic. Um, and actually that's worth a point just to note that when we consider cats grooming habits, um, they'll spend about 25% of their day licking their fur. So perhaps it's something to have in the back of our minds. Um, QACs are effective against gram-positive and gram-negative bacteria and envelope viruses. And they're also fungi, spory and bactericidal. They are, however, deactivated by organic material and hard water and soap, and they have been linked to antimicrobial resistance. So uh, there's also no evidence regarding their effectivity against parvo or FCV. Most aldehyde preparations are non-corrosive to metals and other materials, and they're only subject to a small amount of inactivation by organic matter, but they do have a slow penetration rate, and they are expensive and also toxic. Um, Glyceraldehyde is used as a disinfectant and a stimulant, particularly with low temperature disinfection, and sterilisation of endoscopes and other delicate surgical equipment. Um, it's a broad spectrum against bacteria and their spores and fungi and viruses. It's an effective disinfectant, but it's not suitable as a skin antiseptic. 
Chlorhexidine is widely used for hand hygiene and skin prep. It has a slower antimicrobial activity than alcohols, but it creates an immediate reduction in bacteria. Um, so to compare with povidonidine, um, povidone lacks the cumulative and residual activity of chlorhexidine. Um, chlorhexidine's activity is pH dependent though, and reduced greatly in the presence of organic matter, um, soap and anionic detergents. Um, it isn't considered to be particularly effective against viruses, with its activity limited to lipid envelope viruses, um, and it doesn't inactivate non-envelope viruses. There are a few interesting points to consider regarding chlorhexidine. Um, contaminated chlorhexidine has been linked to nosocomial outbreaks. Chlorhexidine resistance has been identified. Um, it's oto and it's oculotoxic, so it should never be used in the eyes or the ears. And it's also ineffective against um, FCB. So let's move on to intermediate level disinfectants. Alcohols. Um, several alcohols have been noted as being effective antimicrobials, for instance, ethyl alcohol and isopropyl alcohol. Um, alcohols have broad spectrum antimicrobial activity against vegetative bacteria um, and viruses and fungi, but they're not sporicidal, although they do inhibit spore germination. Uh, because of this, they're not recommended for sterilization purposes, but they are excellent for hard surface disinfection and skin antisepsis. Some considerations with alcohol um, it, it include the fact that it's ineffective against parvovirus for up to five minutes. Uh, it's non-corrosive, but it does damage um, delicate lens mounts and other similar equipment. Um, its action is believed to be through membrane damage and rapid denaturation of proteins, um, causing interference with uh, metabolism and so lysis ultimately. It's also highly flammable and it's lethal if it's ingested. And for this reason, um, a very bitter taste is added to it to prevent consumption. The antimicrobial activity is significantly lower at concentrations below 50%. Uh, and it's optimal in the 60 to 90% range. Alcohol doesn't penetrate well into organic matter, especially protein-based matter, and it should only be used on physically clean surfaces. Chlorine-based halogens, such as sodium chloride, um, household bleach, are broad-spectrum disinfectants too. Bleach is really the disinfectant of choice against envelopes and, uh, envelopes and non envelope viruses. Uh, it's effective against fungi, bacteria and algae, but um, again, not against spores. It oxidizes proteins, lipids and carbohydrates, but there is a positive way of describing how microorganisms are destroyed. Its biocidal properties are deactivated by organic matter, particularly at low concentrations, and it also loses potency if it's left standing. Although chlorinated compounds are pretty effective disinfectants, they do have disadvantages. Uh, some will irritate the skin and the nose and the eyes, and they may not completely eliminate certain organisms from drinking water, for example. Cryptosporidium, for instance, is resistant to chlorinated disinfectants. Um, it is, though, relatively safe to use around cats. And finally, on to high-level disinfecting. And this is where we return to our oxidizing agents, so um, hydrogen peroxide, for example. Um, these are also broad spectrum and they embrace um, envelopes and non-envelope viruses, vegetative bacteria, fungi and spores. Hydrogen peroxide is widely used for disinfection, sterilization and antiseptics. 
and it comes in concentrations ranging from 3 to 90% with high concentrations and longer contact times required to eliminate sporocidal activity. It's actually considered to be environmentally friendly because it degrades very quickly into water and oxygen and unlike the QACs it doesn't leave a residue. And then finally we come on to sterilisation uh, which is obviously steam under pressure, heat and steam, the ultimate broad spectrum method of disinfection and it's most uh, efficient way to sterilise. The optimal, the optimal temperature for um, sterilisation is pathogen lead, so 56 degrees C will kill 99% uh, of uh, Giardia cysts and 60 degrees or above will inactivate SCB. Um, parvovirus can survive over an hour in temperatures of 80 degrees C. So most disinfectants are toxic and some are also corrosive. So they're, they're all governed by the Control of Substances Hazardous to Health Regulations 2002 and licensed by the EU Biocides Regs uh, 2012. Risk assessments are always carried out before disinfectants are launched for use. Within the veterinary environment, a disinfectant agent should be ideally selected, which is not harmful to staff or patients, and doesn't cause corrosion, irritation or toxicity in the environment. We've seen that disinfectants are not all-rounders and selection should reflect the nature of the decontamination task that, that you require. The choice should also take into consideration the effectivity of the product, uh, it needs to be low hazard to patients, to the team and also to the wider environment and the germicidal requirement needs to be identified um, to make an educated choice. So low risk areas such as reception or waiting rooms and so on would be served really well by QACs but high risk areas, so theatre for example, would benefit from oxidising agents to ensure high effectivity against most microorganisms but um, it won't leave a toxic residue on critical surfaces. Cleaner and dirty areas hold different bioburdens and infection rates. So it's really important to ensure that um, when you're selecting a disinfectant, you use the correct dilution, which is going to minimize microbial resistance. Um, you have the correct application, so you're enabling optimum disinfection and uh, prompt use of the, the disinfectant. So as we said, bleach uses, loses potency within quite a short space of time. So prepare your disinfectants as they're required. I hope that you found this helpful. Um, thank you very much for listening. I'll pass you back now to Pam. Thank you, Pam. Thank you very much, Sarai. That was really, really interesting. Um, I think they're one of these things that we kind of take for granted. We, you know, the disinfectant is disinfectant, but obviously it certainly isn't. There's lots of different um, disinfectants for the right thing. And it fits in so well with the webinar that Tim gave about the different organisms too. So that was, that was brilliant. Thank you so much. Um, those of you who uh, want to know more about infection control, uh, as I said earlier, there are the three webinars already there. And uh, coming up, we're going to have the, um, the last part, which is actually, I think, um, part five, not part four, <laughs> which is auditing infection control. If you have any questions, then please email them to the email address on the screen there, pbvm at rcvsknowledge.org. And if you're interested in um, looking at our infection control uh, resources, please go to the RCVS Knowledge website in the QI quality improvement section. There's a whole infection control section which has got lots of resources um, about infection control and lots of examples. So um, thank you again, Sarade, and um, thanks everyone.